Well, this morning we are going to jump into the Word, Ephesians chapter 6, and close out uh, the, the, the book that we've been kind of walking through for the last three months or so. I love this portion of Scripture, the armor of God, and I've been studying, and even this week as I've been studying, as I've been preparing, uh, the last few weeks looking forward to this week, I believe God has just shown me some things in a new way that I know in my own life have been a blessing, and I pray that they're a blessing to you as well. The Word, I know it will be. If we open our hearts, it's going to be a blessing because it's His Word. But being in Tanzania the last two weeks has been tremendous and seeing people that they believe what the word says, they believe if you do not do what the word says, you don't follow the word and you don't have his spirit in your life, the armor of God on in all things, that nothing is going to work. It just raises your faith to say, Lord, am I walking in that sort of obedience? Am I walking in that sort of of just committedness, of faith to you. We were praying out in the front before church and, and talking, and Nancy said, welcome back to the land of the possessions, the land of all the stuff that we have, because we are very, very blessed. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we're blessed. I'm thankful for houses and for things and for cars and for nice stuff. But we so often can get caught up in what we have, in the things that we have, in the niceties of what we have, that we miss walking hand in hand with God. We miss the faith to see mountains move, not because of what we do, but because of who he is. We miss and we don't see miracles like we should because we don't often really need them if we're just real honest. We have a government that's going to bail us out if something goes bad. We have, it, it feels like all of these things, right? We have, we have a government. We have people. We've got social services. We've got all these things. If it happens, we'll all just go bankrupt, and then all that will get wiped away, and my credit score will be bad, but at least i got to start over, right? We have so many things that we forget so often to walk in what the Lord would have for us. And in Ephesians chapter 6 we're going to read uh, 10 to, to verse 20 this morning. I think we really understand this is a battle that goes so far beyond our own understanding and our own stuff, our own thoughts. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore." having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. 
for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. When I read these words, this battle, not against flesh and blood, but against cosmic powers and principalities, I realize that life is so much more than what we can so easily get entrapped in and snared in and begin to think that life's about. On this trip, our missionary Dolphy, she is a fireball of a woman, and she kind of told her story and got to hear more and more about it. But 27 years ago, she was in a place in the IT world that was just booming, and she's just smart, so she would read books and figure out how to help the company that she was in. And she went from someone who had no IT experience to being way high up in this company, 27 years ago, making well into six figures, lots of money 27 years ago, and just the blessing of God. But she then had a dream, and in this dream, she saw people of of African descent, but she did not know where in Africa, but that she was called to and called to give her life to. And so she went, and she quit her job, and she figured out a way to move to Africa. And the Assemblies of God, the church that we're a part of, I actually think this is not a terrible rule, but would not let her go as a single person to a place or to uh, villages and tribes and people that would get, the people would get beat up and defiled and sent out and all these terrible things would happen. So they said, we cannot send you as our missionary to these locations. So she said, okay, I'll find somebody that will. And she found a mission organization that would. Anybody, when you start walking in the Lord, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. God told me and Thankfully, the assembly of God protects some folks, but sometimes God's plan is a little bit bigger. And so she went and she made it a part and she attached herself to the assemblies of God because all the missionaries that were there, she began to do IT in Africa, looking for the people that were in this dream that she did not know who they were. She did IT for multiple years, I think two years in Kenya, until a missionary in Tanzania called her and said, I need help with my computer. Would you come? Would you help our missionaries? Would you help this? And she's like, "Uh, I can't go to Tanzania for a couple computers. So in the end, this missionary over time came up with a plan and said, you know what? We're going to have a conference. And would you come and do a breakout for all of our missionaries and for church leaders on IT? And then you can take care of some things. And so she's like, okay, I I can make that happen. That makes sense from a financial standpoint. So she put all the money aside. She made it happen. She went to Tanzania. She taught this breakout session and then said, where are the computers that you need fixed? He's like, well, if I'm being honest with you, God told me I had to get you to Tanzania and you're stubborn and you would not come. So I don't really have any computers that you need to fix, but I do have some people that God told me to take you to go see. And they went out to the Datog people in Tanzania. And when they got there, Dolphy said, these are the people in my dream. These are the people that I've been looking for. These are the people that I am going to give my life to. And she made it happen. She went as a single lady to a place where for decades and decades missionaries would go and they literally would be beat up and thrown out of these communities. But she is this little lady. She's not 
Uh, it doesn't seem like anything harm could come from her. They didn't know her very well. They, they missed that. And she began to share Jesus. She began to be faithful. She began to see God move. She began to see that if you do not have the armor of God and you do not walk in the spirit and you do not walk in prayer, there is no hope for you. But if you walk in him and you're obedient to him, that anything that the Lord calls you to is possible, including this single lady leaving a well-paying job in America, going to, to Africa, hoping to find these people that she dreamed about and finally being there. And now... 27 years later from arriving in Africa, we got to be a part of opening their fourth, fifth, and sixth elementary schools. And in each place where they put one of these schools, there's literally a thousand-ish people that come to the celebration that hear the message of the gospel. Hundreds and hundreds say yes to Jesus at each one. Five years, ten years, not one of them even knew the name of Jesus. And now they come to celebrate the name of Jesus. There's something about obedience and walking in the Lord. And sometimes we think, oh, Dolphy in Africa or whatever or whoever, wherever it is. And I want us to know today that God is not calling all of us to go to Africa, but he is calling us to put on the armor of God. He's calling us to be empowered by the power of Jesus. He's calling us to be filled with the spirit and to live with that faith and that desire and that obedience in Dublin or Hilliard, or Powell, or Worthington, or Westerville, with your family in the short-term things that God gives you in the long-term thing. He's asking us to be faithful. And when we are, we may not see six schools. We may not see 48 churches that are planted on the other side of the world. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people who never knew the name of Jesus, who now call Jesus their Lord. But you might just see your neighbor come to know Jesus. And you might just see your parent or your child come to know Jesus. Or you might just see that, that work environment where you are in that is not good turn because the power of God is with you and no secular place is where you are because you're bringing Jesus with you. And when we get obedient to him and we put on the armor of God, everything changes and is reformed and remade. And this morning we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to look through the armor of God. And I believe the Lord is just speaking to my heart in such a big way. He's challenging me this whole year. He's been challenging me. I feel like God is just preparing and is pouring his spirit out. But I feel like there is so much more. And he's just waiting on us. Just to be willing. Just to be open. And that's why I love this day when we come and give him a long extended period of time because he's just waiting for us to get alone with him. He's waiting for us to get in a place where we can hear him. He's waiting for us to get in a place where we stop thinking about all we have and what we want and what we want to do and instead say, Lord, what do you want to do? What do you have? What do you want to show me or do through me here on earth? And thankfully not because we are anything, because we're not, but because he's everything. And can we get a hunger and a thirst like Dolphy and Gil in Tanzania, Africa, where every day they wake up at 5 a.m. and our awesome mission team every day, 5 a.m., get up to pray. 5 a.m., get up to seek the face of Jesus. 5 a.m., because they say if we do not pray and we do not give this beginning time of our day, then we find there's more accidents, there's more problems, more things come up that should not come up. But when we spend time with Jesus, we don't have those things happen almost ever. 
And when we pray, everything happens. There's good, there's power of God. When we don't pray, we're just kind of doing it on our own and every once in a while some good happens. But when we pray, everything is different. The power of God moves and that's what we need, not any wisdom that we could have. This morning, we're gonna look into the word. One more time, I want to read verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And we must, right from the beginning, be sure that is understood in our heart. We're not fighting against another church or another person or our enemy or whatever we want to put. We're not. We're not fighting against our culture or against anything. We're fighting against principalities and powers that want to destroy us. That want to take you down. Want to separate you from what God has from you. Want to separate you from his kingdom. That's what the devil wants to do. But we must take up the armor of God. When we jump in in verse 14 this morning. Stand there for having fastened on the belt of truth. The belt of truth in their day was an important piece. And even as we think about this, I want you to just put your mind in a place of Paul. He is in prison. He is bound. He is an ambassador, it said, in chains. I mean, he literally is an ambassador for Jesus, and he's literally in chains in prison. So he gets to see the guards, the the soldiers that are a part of this. And as we're even reading, you can just imagine Paul's writing and and putting this together in his thoughts, not from some abstract faraway thing, but literally from the guard who might be attached to him. Like, hmm, I see this. And and when we can sometimes put it in a place of of it being close to us, it's so much more powerful. But the, the, the belt was an important part of their outfit. If you think of their tunics or their long robes that they would have so often in this day and age, if you were going to come into battle, if you were going to be a part, you needed a belt and you would either kind of pull up your, your belt and tighten it up so you're, that your, your dress, we'll call it a dress, a tunic, whatever, is a little bit shorter. Or you may even just tuck that thing into your belt so that you can run. It's hard to run in a dress. It's hard to run when, when you have ladies, uh, all of the students that all week long that you had dresses on for two weeks every single day. It's hard to run. They're playing soccer in full length dresses. That's tough. There's something about a belt that puts us in a place of being strong and secure in the Lord. It protects the abdomen, but it protects and lets us get up and get moving. A belt is vital. In fact, this morning, if I did not have a belt on, my pants would fall off of me. I'm just going to be real. I've been working out. I've been losing weight. My belt, I even need a smaller belt. It's almost done, right? You've ever been there? You forgot your belt at home. You're like, I guess my hand's going to be in my pocket today. Or maybe you're like me. I need a piece of string. I need something to tie it. You know, you need your belt to be effective. And there's something about coming before the Lord and realizing that I need the pieces that he gives me, the belt of truth. And if we do not walk in truth in our life and what God has for us, then we have no hope of being able to fight his battle. No matter how much the other stuff we have, if we're not walking in truth and in his power and in who he is, we will miss him. It prepared them. It freed them. 
It put them in a battle-ready frame of mind. Jesus said in Luke 12, 35 and 36, stay dressed for action. Put that belt on, right? And keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him and at once when he comes and knocks. Church, we have to have the belt. We've got to be ready. We have to pull up the tunic so we can do what God has called us to do. Having fastened a belt means you are living within the worldview of heaven, the truth of his kingdom. And we're going to dive into that a little bit more as we go. But if we are trying to live our Christian life in the worldview that our culture would want to give us, there is, is impossible to walk in the power of God. For the 14 that were in Tanzania, you sit and you hear uh, Dolphy speak and you realize she does not care at all about what culture or world or struggles or things that we might deal with. She's like, that's got to die. That's no good. That's not kingdom. That's not his power. And in America, we must decide the belt of truth. Who he is must reign in my life or I cannot be prepared. I cannot be ready. The belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness, which provides essential protection for the most vital organs. These are things that it says you are clothed in, in truth, in righteousness. And I feel like when we think of righteousness, oftentimes we, we, yes, we want the righteousness of God, but we try to put our life and our situation under the experiences that we have. Almost like a breastplate of experience, a breastplate of this has happened, so because of that, it didn't go well, so I'm going to do this. And we start to try to build our own breastplate out of what has happened to us or through us, good or bad, And we are not called to put on the breastplate of experience and what has taken place before. We're not called to say, well, I got hurt, so I won't. Or this happened, so no way. Or that person is because I saw. We are not called to put on that sort of an armor piece that blocks us from the world and from the obedience of what God has for us to do. He says to put on the breastplate of righteousness, which is all God, because that's the only way that we walk in righteousness is him, which means, Lord, would you get rid of my stuff, and Lord, I'm going to put you on, which means I'm ready, I'm held together in truth, and now I walk in true righteousness because my God, he died on a cross, but he rose again, and I am now free and forgiven, and I'm healed, and no matter what my world would say or what my experience would even say, I walk in righteousness and the power of God. I thank God for experiences. Maybe you're like, wait, experiences are important. And I would say, yes, experiences are important. They can help and they can guide and they can frame, but do not rely on them. You do not put those things on as a breastplate, but his righteousness. And so often we get sidetracked so far because of our hurts and our wounds and our problems that were real. It's not about them not hurting. It's not about those things not being real. It's not about those things pushing us in a certain way. But when it comes down to it, does my experience line up with his word? And if not, Lord, I need to be healed or restored or set free so I can put on his righteousness in my life. Truth, righteousness, and the readiness, the the gospel of peace in my life, in verse 15, and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given of the gospel and peace. And you know, shoes are vital. And just thinking of Africa, 
Anybody that was in Africa have any issue with thorns or little sticker things at all? Anybody? Yeah. If they were all of you, I've never seen a place where you walk like on dirt. Everything seems fine. And instantly your shoes have little stickers all in them. And then when you're in your tent, you go in your tent and you try to keep them outside. But somehow when you wake up, you put your foot down right onto the little stickers. It is hard to function when your feet have stickers built into them all of a sudden. In fact, uh, on the way to the bush, we stopped and we were using a jungle bathroom, the bush bathroom, which is go find a place. And uh, it, was, it was great. So I'm walking up kind of a hill to go around some things. And all of a sudden, a thorn went directly through my shoe, right in between the Lord is good, right in between my toes. And I was like, guess that hard-soled shoe thing. Maybe the first time in my life I get why people say you should wear hard-soled shoes. I don't own those shoes. So the rest of the time, I'm like, if that was a little to the left, a little to the right, or a little back, I, that would have that been tough. Just to get my foot out of my shoe would have been tough. We must be prepared. We must be clothed in truth and righteousness. But there's something about getting our feet right or we cannot be ready. Because if you're in Africa and you run outside and all of a sudden you have pain and suffering and thorns and stickers and all these things, it's a little difficult to keep going. Are we ready? These are just things that we're saying to be clothed in. These should be all the time. These are just things that should be the natural part of our life. The readiness given from the gospel of peace. Church, we have to clothe ourselves in him, in who he is. Paul probably had Isaiah 52, 7 in mind. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. We must be mobile, flexible, and ready with the truth. We've got to have our shoes on. We've got to have our breastplate on. We've got to have our belt on. We have to live our life in a way where we're laying it down before the Lord and walking in his righteousness, his truth, and his readiness. There are days when it may be like, ah, this is awesome, I got it. And there may be days when I don't feel it, but I am going to trust the Lord and walk in Him and clothe myself in who He has created me to be. Clothe, my, clothe myself in the power of God. But even as we look here, this clothing, it doesn't stop there. It continues all on, and in verse 16 it says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Basically, continue, make this happen. We, we must be clothed in these things, but then we have some other pieces that are really, really important. That are incredibly important to our walk with the Lord. The shield of faith. In their day, uh, maybe you are a uh, Lord of the Rings fan or anything where there are arrows that are shot at armies. Can you imagine the terror and the horror, just the horrific nature of being there and just seeing flaming arrows flying through the air at you, right? Like, can you dodge them? Like, it's not a gun. They go a little slower. I, I, I don't think, probably not. But you know, I love Lord of the Rings for many reasons. It's a great, great movie. But 
they had these shields in different battles and they would come and they would line up and they'd basically lock their shields together and they would get down and be behind their shield. And you know what happened when they were behind their shield? Arrows would stick into it, would bounce off of it, would fly over it, would all the things and they're just good to go. Shield, 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 shield. Everybody is protected. Everybody is ready. And there's something about realizing the Lord gives us what we need that when the devil throws a fiery spear or a shoots an arrow at you or at us, he does not leave us in a place where it's like, well, hopefully it misses you. Hopefully you can dodge it fast enough. We can't. There's no chance, but he gives us a shield that all of a sudden I get to say, I've got faith to believe. And I am hidden. I am protected. I am well. And the only time that it begins to get squirrely in these environments is when someone decides, you know what, I've got a flaming spear on my shield. I probably should do something about that. And you move to turn to do something to break it off. And all of a sudden you expose yourself to arrows coming in. And the word of God doesn't only say that there is a shield of faith, but it says that will extinguish the flaming darts or uh, arrows of the enemy, which means I do not have to fear. I get to stand in the power of God in faith believing that no matter what comes, no matter what it looks like, no matter how much fire is there, it is going to be extinguished because God is going to be victorious. He is going to win. He will be your savior. He is your savior. He already is and he's going to be your savior. He has everything you need. Church, we have to begin to believe that he is everything. We have to believe that I can sit behind that shield. And I can believe. And I can trust. And no matter what has come before or what's going to come after, the Lord will protect me. The Lord will be with me. The Lord will guard me. The Lord will be all that I need because he's already won the victory on the cross. And today I want us to hear thoughts Feelings, imaginations, fears, and lies, so many more that are hurled by Satan as fiery darts. They will be extinguished by the shield of faith in your life. Which means that I don't have to just be okay with the issues or the problems. I don't have to be okay with living in fear. anxiety. I don't have to be okay with living in whatever it is. No, I am going to stand in the power of God and who he is and what he has for me. I will be victorious and not because of me, thank the Lord, but because of him. And he has given me faith. And I get to stand behind saying, shoot as much as they want at me, but I'm going to be here. And you know what, church? My prayer is that as a church family, we are going to be there. We are going to get our shields ready. We are going to lock those in place. We are going to come together one to another. We are going to encourage and believe. We are not just going to leave each other where we've been, but we're going to ask the Lord, Lord, would you do something new in my brother's life, in my sister's life, in my life? And as we walk in faith, we don't have to have fear, worry, anxiety, lies, things that the devil would throw at us, but we can be whole and powerful in him. Taking up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. I think that's a pretty important part of the body. The helmet of salvation to protect our mind, to protect our, our head from what would come against us. You know, as I've been praying 
So often a, a thing that's easy is discouragement. I think the devil does a pretty good job with just discouraging us. Has anybody ever had a situation where things just didn't quite go how you wanted them to go? Right? I mean, yes. Right? Yes. If you, you're alive. It's, uh, it, it, there are lots of them. It's easy to get discouraged. Do you know it's easy as a church family to have somebody in the church family do something that brings discouragement in your life? You've been to church at least once. It's all humans just like you are. There's somebody that's going to do something. There's discouragement in our life, in our world, with our family. There's so many elements and so many things. But when we let the the helmet of salvation, we realize, no, I will not be discouraged. I will not be put down. I'm going to take up the shield of faith. I'm going to walk in him. I do not have to let discouragement or issues and problems in my mind be okay. And I don't have to accept them. But Lord Jesus, you are protecting me. And Lord Jesus, I can know with every part within me, you've already won the victory. You've already saved me. You have saved me. You are and you forever will. I will experience salvation one day in a way that's so real because we will no longer be on earth with people. I think that's the easy way to say it. We're going to be in heaven with Jesus and we'll all be there, but we're all going to be different. Thankfully, starting right here. And it's going to be no tears, death, sorrow, or sin. His salvation will bring life. He will move in your heart. But do we stand in faith knowing that I'm saved, that I'm in him, and I'm not going to take what the world would give me, but I'm going to take what Jesus has given me in his salvation. Faith, salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. When we think about the Word of God, conversations with, with people, we realize the Word is so incredibly amazing. But we also, I think, realize that even at different moments in our life, maybe if we're being real, or definitely with different people, the Word of God just takes different level of authority. Not, it, it is always authoritative, but we so often can get outside of the will of the Lord. And on a rainy morning, it's like, man, I love having a huge canopy out there. You can pull up if you're a driver. Well, bummer, that stinks for you. But you got to drop the family off. It's so nice. They were under the canopy. It is, it is good. But when we get outside of that, we get wet. And in our life, we have to understand that we cannot experience the goodness of God, the power of God, the the faith and salvation to to get to the other side if we do not realize that his word is authoritative in all things in our life. We have to understand that I cannot take up the sword of the spirit if I believe some of the Bible. I can't stand on the word of God if I don't believe the Bible is actually inspired and the Holy Spirit inspired people to write it and to bring it and to give it to us. I can't stand on the word if I don't believe that a council of people that got together and picked these 66 books for various reasons in the heart of God. If we do not believe the word is inspired, how in the world can we walk on something we don't even really believe? And church, this word, the power of God, he's so powerful, but we must believe. We must believe that his word is everything we need. We have to believe it. And I feel there's like a stirring in the church 
And we either go all in with the message of the gospel or we start to kind of do our own thing. And when you look at our society and, and Christian culture, there are many churches that begin to throw out portions or sections or thoughts or themes because it doesn't fit in their cultural ideal. And church, we either believe the word or we don't believe the word. There's not a middle ground. There's not a sum of it. And people ask me, you know, what do you believe? I'm a pretty, you read the Bible, what does the Bible say? You read the Bible, that's what I believe. You read the Bible, the truth of the word. God created the world. All that God had to do was just speak and it was in existence. If we can get from the beginning and realize he's so powerful to create all of this and then to, for some reason, want to partner with us. He gave Adam and Eve, he gave them the, the ability or the, the job to name and to create, to partner with him. And we messed it up over and over, the covenants of the Old Testament. But now Jesus, we get to partner with him. We get to bring freedom and life and truth. But if we do not believe the word that he created, why in the world would he heal or restore or make new or set free? Why in the world would he be able to go and trump what culture would say or what I think or my own experience? It doesn't matter if we do not believe that the word is life. And I believe that today the Lord is going to reaffirm in some people that he is reaffirming. But even as we're at the altar today, we are going to pray, Lord Jesus, let your word be everything. And when I or my experience doesn't line up with your word, instead of pulling myself out and saying, well, I don't get that part. I'm just going to cut it out. Lord, would you bring me in and would you put me under your word? I don't have to understand every single thing. I don't have to get everything, but Lord, your word is right and true and inspired in all things. So Lord, I will stand on your word, which means that I can be clothed in truth and righteousness and ready, which means I can have faith and salvation because your word brings it about. Church, we have to have him to effectively use the sword. We must regard it as what it is, the word of God. If we're not confident in the inspiration of Scripture and that the sword really came from the Spirit, then we will not use it effectively. There's no way. The Word of God is real. Jesus is real. He's powerful. He's effective. He wants to move in your life. And there's something about realizing that I, I can put these things on, but they take practice. It takes practice. Today, God can just do things, absolutely. And then we get to leave today. And now, Lord, I need, I need truth and righteousness and readiness and faith and salvation. I need your spirit. I need the sword. And there's something about studying and growing and maturing. There's something about practice. There's something about, Lord Jesus, today, would you let me walk in you and your word and your truth in my life, which means, Lord, I might mess up. Anybody ever messed up? You, you love the Lord, but you messed up. So Lord, I'm going to fix that. I'm not doing that ever again. I'm going to get out of that experience, your righteousness, your truth. And we continue to move forward in the Lord. I've talked about Gil, a lot about Gil and Dolphy, but they are people that love his word, that love his power, and realize they are nothing. And if it was them, nothing would have happened. But because God showed up, and because they've been faithful in prayer, faithful in study, faithful to wield his sword, to walk in faith and salvation, thousands and thousands and thousands of unreached people that had no access to the gospel now know 
the King of kings and Lord of lords. Revival is moving in a place where the name of Jesus was not even able to be uttered or spoken. Church, that's what the armor is. To be clothed and to take up the, the, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. It's what we must do every single day. Not when we travel halfway across the world to Africa and we're not, we don't have enough sleep and we don't have the language. When we have all these things, it's easy. Lord, we need you. But Lord, I need you today and I need you tomorrow. And I'm not a good enough parent, but Lord, with you, I can do it. And I'm not a good enough anything, but with you, it can happen. Lord, I need your word in my life. And you know, Paul, he doesn't just end it there. I think that would be fine. That would be good. Like, come on, church, that's what we need. But he goes on, praying at all times in the Spirit. This is Paul. This is Paul saying you have to pray all the time. And you know, as I was looking at that word, different translations would say it differently. You could say praying always with all prayer, like real literal, all prayer. Or the idea is all kinds of prayer or prayer upon prayer. He's saying you pray and 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 you do it in different ways upon different ways. You could think group prayer, individual prayer, silent prayer, shouting prayer, walking prayer, kneeling prayer, eloquent prayer, groaning prayer, constant prayer, fervent prayer. You could add to the list, we must pray. If we will not pray, we cannot experience all that God wants to do in our life. There's no way. Because you and I can't do it. Because it's not us. It's not our power and our things. It's his armor. It's his strength, his shield, his goodness, his spirit in our life. So Paul prays, asks them, begs them, would you pray for me in all ways? Would you pray and let the goodness of God be poured out? To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. We have to pray, Lord, would you help us? I don't know about anybody else in the room. I'm not bold enough at all. I need him. I need us all to pray and make supplication for one another. Lord, help us. Help us do what you've called us to do. Help us that what your word says, what we believe, it's going to happen. Lord, help us. Because there's a moment when prayer is not all we're supposed to do either, is it? We're supposed to pray so that we can be bold, so that we can open our mouth, so that we can proclaim the mystery of the gospel. We put on the armor, but if we don't pray, and then if we don't actually use the feet, the shoes that God has given us to go, we're never going to see that armor put into action. If all I do is sit in my prayer closet and I never take a step or make a move or open my mouth, I'm going to limit just a little bit what God wants. He wants us to put into action what he's given us. Paul says, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And worship team, if you can come on back up here. Paul being here in a moment of being able to 
to leave. He's going to be able to talk to, to, to share Jesus with the emperor. He's praying, church, would you please pray for me that I would be bold and I would have the words. Would you pray with me that truth, righteousness, readiness, faith, salvation, that the spirit of God living in me would be present in a way I've never experienced before. Paul's like awesome. He's the best, but he's praying, Lord, help me. I can't do it without you. In the church, I think I'm me. So often we get complacent. We think we're okay. We, we think we're uh, good enough that maybe we have overconfidence in our life that God's going to do it. It's going to be fine. We're going to make it. And we actually are doing stuff all by ourselves, Or we never actually do anything. Winston Churchill said to Britain in the early days of the Second World War, World, World, World War I can't say that word, I must drop one word of caution, for next to cowardice and treachery, overconfidence, leading to neglect and slothfulness, is the worst of wartime crimes. And I think as I've been praying, is it possible that overconfidence is it possible that overconfidence in our possessions and our stuff and what we have and the fact that we generally have all the food we need, we generally have everything we need, life is good. God blesses. We, we are blessed people. But is it possible that overconfidence had left us in a place of neglect and, and, and slothfulness when it comes to the power of God and wielding the sword of the Spirit? Is it possible that we're overconfident and that nah, we don't really need truth? We've got enough. We believe Jesus. It's okay. Is it possible that we're like, ah, righteousness. Yeah, I've got experiences. I've got a lot of good things. Like, we, we've got this. We're okay. Is it possible that, like, yeah, I'm ready. I've got shoes. It'll be fine. If God really wants to do it, he'll make it happen. Is it possible? Yeah, yeah, he could. But he uses us in our obedience. Is it possible? I'm good. I've got enough faith. I may not actually be carrying anything. Might not have the shield, but I'll be all right. And even if something happens, it's okay. It's not a big deal. I'll get through it. Is it possible that salvation, yeah, like, oh yeah, we need salvation, but Lord, thankfully, there are a lot of people to help me and all of the doctors and counselors and my friends and my families and people, and we'll get through. I'll be saved one way or another. It's gonna be all right. Is it possible that we're overconfident and we don't actually think we need the Spirit to really work. Like just a little is okay. I know in my life, there's times where it's clear, oh, Lord, forgive me. Just been doing my own thing. Just walking. We've got great strategies and great plans and great conferences. And we can do all the good stuff. But Lord, I don't want to just kind of do what someone else says or even just walk in the wisdom that you've given to each one. Lord, I need you. And Lord, I pray my confidence in myself would drop because I'm nothing. If you didn't know it, you're nothing. I don't care how much money you make or how great your family is or whatever. You're nothing. God is everything. So Lord, strip our confidence in ourselves away and let our confidence then be found in you so we begin to realize lord it's not me it's not my business it's not my strength it's not my my good looks or how well i talk or whatever your thing is but lord all i need is to be chained 
an ambassador to him, whatever he has for me. And in their day, they would wear like embellishments or things around them that they would put. And Paul's basically saying, I'm an ambassador for the kingdom of God. And what is his chains? It's literally being chained to a guard. It's literally, I've done the work of God and therefore I'm in jail. It's literally what everyone else would see as failure. Paul says, that's my crown. That's my good thing is God is with me even in chains. And I don't need some gold and glitzy chain. I'll just be chained to this guard and I'll be obedient to whatever God says. And he's going to give me an opportunity. And today, is it possible that we've gotten a little overconfident? Yeah, I got this stuff. But in America, we don't like to talk about principalities and powers and schemes of the devil. We don't like to talk about the flesh and blood and, and yeah, yeah, it's more people than it is other. We don't like to talk about these things, the rulers of the air. We don't like to talk about spiritual battle because when we get there, it's no longer us. You can't win. You're not good enough. We're not going to make it. But when it comes to the things of God, I have to say I have to be clothed and I have to be ready and I've got to take up what he is and who he is in my life and I've got to put my experience in me down and pick up everything he has in church. It's time for us to begin to another level to say, Lord, I cannot and will not and do not want to do this in my strength or my power, but Lord, I need you. Lord, if like, like Dolphy 27 years ago, you called me to some land, to people I do not know who they are, but you gave me a picture, so I'm going to start walking. Lord, I'm going to do it. And in fact, today, this afternoon, Lord, would you and the little things in my life, would you help me be obedient to the same level that Dolphy was obedient, that I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to serve the people around me. I'm going to love the people around me. I'm going to care for them. And Lord, I'm going to start in the little things that don't even seem like much. But Lord, I'm ready you speak, I'm in. You speak, I'm in, because I've got my shield. I am ready to go. I've got my helmet. Nothing's going to come against me. But my breastplate, it is good to go. That My belt is tied up. I'm ready to tuck my tunic in so I can run. I am ready to wield the Spirit because I've been with Him. I know Him. He speaks to me. Church, when that's who we are, everything, everything changes. It's time for the church to care more about being Christ's ambassadors than our own comforts. And today we have at least an hour and 10 minutes. We'll probably go long because that's just what God does and what we do. I love it. We're gonna go after Jesus. And I wanna encourage us today There's something in this word that has spoke to you. There's maybe many things. And we're going to have altar time the next hour until we're done. We're going to have altar time. We're going to be at the altar. We're going to have prayer teams here in a few minutes come to the front. And I want to encourage you. There's people you say, I'm not really an altar sort of person. Well, you came to an altar of revival service. So today, let's just all be altar sort of people. And maybe you come to the altar five times in the next hour, hour and a half. Maybe you come because God just keeps speaking. I don't know what it's going to be, but we are going to let him speak and move. And we have some things we think where we're going to go, but who knows where we're going to go because we've asked the Lord. We don't want our plans or our thoughts to get in the way of what you have. So could we just open our hearts to him this morning? And you know, before we come to the altar, the most important thing, when you walk in the front door, One more for Jesus. 
It's all about relationship with Jesus, the God who created you and loves you and knows you. And above anything else today, it is the biggest win that we have if we get to come before the Lord and the Lord welcomes us because we just have faith to believe. He wants to draw us into relationship. So right now, I'm gonna ask our prayer team if you could make your way to come and find your spots this morning. We're gonna ask two questions. Number one, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never made him Lord of your life, if you've never said, yes, Jesus, be all everything in my life, then I wanna invite you today. Would you say yes to him? There's nothing better than that decision. That's why we are here on a Sunday morning. That's why we come. It says heaven rejoices when one comes to know him. But you know, there's a second part this morning and God's been working this whole year, starting in in January, starting when we opened up in prayer and fasting. And my prayer is that nobody could come and be a part of Radiant Life Church, that no one could come and just kind of go through the motions and not make God the Lord of their life. Where I put my experiences down and pick up his righteousness, everything we just talked about. And we're gonna start this morning that if you'd say, I need Jesus, I need to make him Lord for the first time, or maybe you'd say, I've not been walking, just real honest with yourself. I've not been walking with him and I want to know him, and I want to make him Lord of my life once again. I need him to be everything. How can I expect to do this, pick up his righteousness, if I've not truly given him all of me? And if you'd say today, that's me, then I'm going to invite those two groups here in a moment to pray with me, and as a church family, we'll pray together. It's the most important thing, the launching part of our altar of revival service, and This morning, a little different than normal, if one of those two is you, we'll pray together. Then I'm going to ask you in a moment to come and to find one of these groups. They want to pray for you, encourage you. Maybe there's something on your heart they would love to believe God for. So this morning, right now, if you say, I need to give my life to Jesus for the first time, or I want to rededicate my life and really make him Lord, you might even say, I might be going to heaven right now maybe, but... Maybe he's not good enough. I want to make him Lord, everything. And right now, all over this room, if you'd say, that's me, I want to invite you just to let your faith arise. And I'm going to pray for you, pray for us. And then I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a moment. So Lord, I pray that right now, Lord, that not one person would be able to leave this room today without a direct yes or no to you. And Lord, I pray right now, if anybody in this room does not know you or needs to make you truly the Lord of their life, Right now, would you give them faith? Would you give them the boldness to say yes to the King of Kings, to the one who died on a cross, to the one who gave everything for them? Lord, would you let them respond to you and say yes to you? Lord, that not one would be timid or shy or I'm not sure. Lord, if they're not sure today, right now is the moment to say yes. So we love you. We thank you. We praise you. All over this room, if you say, I need to make him Lord of my life for the first time or rededicate, would you just raise your hand right now? Wherever you are in this room, yep. See you, ma'am. Anybody else? Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. It's the greatest decision we can possibly, possibly make. Come on. All over this room, can we just pray this prayer together? Can we repeat it after me? Dear Jesus, I love you. I make you the Lord of my life. 
my experiences, I lay them down before you. My past, I lay them down before you. Forgive me. I turn and I repent of the things I've done that have hurt people around me or myself sinned against you. I make you the Lord of me, every part. And I give you control to be all in my life. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, come on. Can we stand all over this room? Yes, let's give a round of applause. We're going to go after Jesus. And I want to encourage you, if you just raised your hand, or if you did it and you want to come and you want to say, I need God, to, I need him to be Lord in all areas, I want to encourage you to come. Get prayer. After this song, we're going to continue. We're going to pray for healing and wholeness. We're going to pray that God would use his word in new ways. We have lots of things we believe he's going to do in our life. So let's go after Jesus this morning. Don't, don't give up on what he has. But let's go. Let's worship him.
Church, our God is good this morning. I believe there is a level of faith and expectancy to believe what the Word says. The power of God by His stripes, we are healed. And today, I believe there's some people who they're calling out, Lord, I want to be forgiven. I want to be healed. I want to be whole. And for the next hour, the altars are open. And we're going to pray for healing, for the supernatural to take place in your life, for families to be put back together, for, re for relationships to be worked in a way that just blows us away with the power of God. But it takes a faith so often just a step, to take a step towards Jesus. And I want to encourage you. I would love it, every person in the room, to find a time this morning to come and to get at an altar, to find a time this morning to come and to pray, to find a time this morning to come and have some people pray with you. We've got an awesome team this morning that are charged up. They are ready. They are believing, and let's go after the Lord. So right now, if you need a miracle in your body, if you need something just broke off of you, if you need freedom, Whatever it might be, would you come? Would you ask the Lord, Lord, move in me? So Lord, we pray right now for a new freedom to come over this place. Lord, by your stripes, we are healed. Cancer has to go in the name of Jesus. Uh, discs and back pain has to go. It's not going to be found in heaven. Lord, rotator comes, all of the things. Lord, we've laid them at your feet. And we ask you, Jesus, to bring healing. We ask you, Jesus, to bring wholeness. We ask you, Jesus, to restore and make new. Lord Jesus, we worship you. Faith to arise in our hearts. Faith to arise in our hearts today, Jesus. One more thing before we continue to pray, and you can come, keep coming. In Tanzania, I love their church planting model. That model is they send somebody, they find a tree that they can have church under. They pray that God would bring to them the person in the town, the person in the village who is demon-possessed that messes up their family and their situation the most. And then they pray. And guess what? When the crazy town person all of a sudden is not like that anymore, normally their parents and their family are interested in what's going on. They're interested in what God is doing. And you know what? We need to let faith arise in our heart that we want to see him move and be poured out. We want the miraculous. We want him to show up. But why? We want him to show up. Yes, so we're aligned with him. And yes, because heaven is invading. But because there's friends and families that they need your miracle to bring and to let faith in their life to say yes to Jesus. So could we this morning ask him? He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Let's come. Let's come in faith believing. Let's pray this morning that God would bring healing, that God would bring wholeness, and that our world's going to know him because they see him as he works in our lives, in our communities, in our families, in our situation. Come on, church. Let's go after Jesus this morning. <laughs> 